Hey everyone, uh, today I want to talk about a couple teams that I think can be the next contenders. Like in the next two, three, four years, these teams you're going to be looking at and thinking of them as contenders. As, you know, I, they have the core right now to do something special if they just build around that core properly. So I want to talk about how they can build around that core what makes this core that they have right now interesting? And the first team I want to talk about is the Cleveland Cla- the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they're 14 and 12 right now, I believe. Yes, 14 and 12. And when Evan Mobley plays, they're 14 and 8, which would be like a, I want to say like a 52 win pace. And do I think they're a 52 win team? I don't, I don't think they're a 52 win team, but there might actually no i don't know there might be there might be a 52 win win team i don't know you know would i be shocked if this season if they won like 48 games how how much is 48 really from 52 so like yeah i think they're they're probably about that good so for the season they are fourth in defense 20th in offense and you know we already know they lost con section for the probably the year he wasn't he, like i think sexton is a pretty solid good player Good player? I think he's a very talented player. I'll say that. I think he he would be someone that's really good next to a big point guard because he, he's not a point guard. And if you play him next to a point guard like, like Gar- let's just say Garland, then you're too small in the backcourt. So I think he would be someone that's really interesting ne- next to like a Luka, LeBron, James Harden when he was like cooking, cooking. Uh Ben Simmons, I guess, but not really because Ben Simmons really isn't a point guard either. I'm just trying to think of, like, the really big point guards. Uh, I guess uh, next to Lonzo, next to LaMelo, like a Terry... Ro- he that, That's his role, like a ter- Terry Rozier type. That's what he needs to be. So this season with him, they, were, they really weren't good. The, the combo that's been killing is, well, in the backcourt anyways, is Garland and Rubio because they complement each other pretty well. Rubio is looking to pass the ball a lot more, even though he is, he is getting like pretty frisky with like the shot attempts. Like he take he take he gets pretty cocky with it, even though he doesn't really make that many. But still, uh, he's out, he can make threes now, so like I guess that's solid. Uh, Garland, you know, pick and roll monster. He wants to score, but he's also like a willing passer. So those two work together well because they both they both can pass and they're looking to pass, but they can kind of score a little bit too. Um, but the but. What's making this team go is the two guys in the middle. And Evan Mobley is going to get all the all the hype, and he deserves all the hype he can get. Like, he's been, he's legitimately been, like, all defense level good. He's been that good. You know, he's averaging 14 points. Let me, how many minutes? He's averaging 14 points, eight, eight rebounds, two and a half, uh, two and a half assists, a steal a game, two blocks per game. He's just been amazing. But I, I just hope people aren't overlooking what Jared Allen's been doing. Because I think Jared Allen legitimately could be like an all-star center this year. Because when you when you think about it really, in the East especially, like I guess both conferences, there really aren't that many centers where you're like, yeah, they they definitely need to be in. Like Bam's out, so like that takes one spot away anyways. The, the only one in the East that's, unless I'm just missing someone like completely, the only one that really is big time center is Embiid and that's it 
after that, it's like Vucevic, who hasn't really had a, you know, great season. I guess you could say, I guess you could make the argument that Mobley is also a center. They just, they play two centers and it's not really a forward center thing. And you think Mobley has been better. I, I would be, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure who's really been better. I think they've both been really fucking good. But I, I, I just wanted to talk about Jared Allen just for a second because, you know, Evan Mobley is like the new thing, I guess. Even though he's been, like, tremendous, he deserves all the hype. He should be rookie of the year. He should be in contention for all-NBA defense. I just think, I just hope people aren't overlooking what Jared Allen's been doing because he's improved so much as a post-up scorer. He's a strong finisher inside. His footwork's gone to, like, another level. Um, you know, he's got great touch around the rim. Uh, he's making, what, 70% of his shots, and he's, like, posting up. Like, I, I saw he was in, like, the 80th percentile in post-ups. So he's been really good. Uh, the trio that I'm looking at here is Garland, 22, Mobley, 20, Allen, 23. I guess Markkanen could be in that, but I'm not really sure how long-term he is. Even though he's young, too. He's only 24. And I guess Sexton's one of... I guess I'm, I wouldn't count Sexton part of the core because I think he is... I think you can move him. Garland, Mobley, and Allen, though, I think that's a legit trio where you can look at it and be like, Hey, you know, we have Mobley who can... Like, we have Mobley and Allen. We could be a top... We should be a top five defense, like, yearly. We have Garland. We have we have our 20-point... We have our point guard who can, you know, shoot it off the dribble, who can create for others, get in the paint. So we have that guy. Mobley, we, we think... He's already averaging 14 and 8. We think he adds on more weight. He can become a better scorer inside. Allen just keeps getting better and better. Maybe he could become even a bigger threat in the post. So that's, like, you have your core right there. Your core, the core is elite defense, and we have a point guard that we like. After that, like, you have to, like, Markkanen, I take it or leave it, whatever. Uh, he's actually been pretty solid as, like, a small forward, which has been shocking. He's actually, like, moving his pretty feet pretty well. Um, Sexton, I feel like you could get a really solid piece for him like in a sign and trade or whatever. The the place that they messed up, and even at the time, like it's not really hindsight. It's the Akoro I Akoro pick. And like I'm sure Akoro is like a nice kid and all. He's only twenty one anyways. Um but it was a strange pick at the time already because you had Garland, what is he, six one? What is Sexton? Also six one I believe. So you had two six one point guards and then you drafted a six four, six five shooting guard. Like, it, it only made sense if you wanted to trade one of Garland or Sexton and you were like, okay, we'll, we'll put uh, Okoro at the two guard and just have one of Garland or Sexton. If your plan always was Garland, Sexton, Okoro, that's just strange. I, I, don't, I don't really see that. But that pick was wrong at the time and it still is wrong because he's obviously a good defender. But at no point in his career he's ever shown to be able to shoot the ball. And he's doing it again this year. He's shooting like 22%. And, you know, he's a negative. His on-off is a negative. Uh, his on-court is a negative. And there's so much better when you can just get you can just plug another shooter in there. Because the, the thing is, you swing the ball, you swing the ball, and it's an Okoro wide open three. And it's like, yeah, that has no chance of going in. Like So we did all this, you know, ball movement. To get an Okoro open three, like, that's not doing anything. 
and he's a fine defender, but he's not like 2017 Andre Roberson or something. He's just okay. Like, he's pretty good. He's solid. He's good. He's a good defender, that is. He's not a good... I don't think he's a good player or anything. But he's not Kawhi Leonard in 2015. He's not Andre Roberson. He's not those type of players. Where there's so... Like, those two... Like, it's not just those two guys. There's a lot of those. Like, Iguodala's one of those guys as well. Um, where they're so good on defense that... Fuck the offense, whatever. Um, even though I guess, like, Kawhi can make an open three. Like, no, I, I guess I'm not even talking about the open three part. I'm just talking about, like, they're so good. He's not... He's just... If he was that, if he was a Kawhi Leonard caliber defender, he, like it, it would be fine. But he's not. He's not a Kawhi level defender. Um, not many people. Are. I'm not like saying as a knockdown. I'm just saying, if he was like an elite defender, he could be on the floor and say, okay, we'll just make it work somehow. But he's just an okay defender and he can't shoot. So like he sh- he's not a starting shooting guard in the league right now. That is, he's only 21. I hate talking about like 20, like these. 19, 20, 21 year olds. I really hate doing that because it they're so young and it's like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be trashing them. That makes no sense. Like that's what I had a problem with like people talking about Taylor Horn Tucker like that as well. Where they're like, oh ha ha ha, you know, he sucks, he's doing all this, he's shooting like thirty eight percent for the field. You guys didn't want to trade him for Lowry and stuff like that. But it's I just I just don't like making fun of players that are twenty year old because it's so mean spirited. Because they're gonna re like they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, they're all on these places all the time. They're going to be seeing you talk about how trash they are. And, like, they're going to feel a way about it. So I just don't like doing that. That's why, I, like, I saw Desmond Bain said something after beating the Mavericks. They lost to the Mavericks tonight, but beating the Mavericks, I think, a couple of days ago. He's like, oh, you know, the Mavericks passed up on me. You know, they drafted Josh Green. Where was he? Where was he? It's like, unless they have, like, actual beef, him and Josh Green, I thought that was pretty mean-spirited. I, I like I love trash talking. I trash talk all the time. You know, my favorite player is Kevin Garnett. Like I love trash talking. I just don't like the mean spirited stuff anymore. You know, Desmond Bain had a good game. Just be happy about the good game. You know, talk about how good you are. Like I have no problem with talking about how good you are. I love the trash talk where it's like, I'm the best, I'm better than you, stuff like that. I don't like the stuff where it's like you suck, you know, this guy, Josh Green, he sucks, you know, he's never gonna be like I just don't like that type of talk. And I said that, and, like, some Memphis people were like, well, you know, we're from Memphis. We have a big chip on our shoulder. I, I'm going to be honest. I hate people with, like, this giant chip on their shoulder. Because one thing about that is, how long are you going to keep that up? And it's also, you're doing things because others are doubting you. How about you do things because you want to do them? Because once you accomplish something that someone else said you couldn't do, now what? Like, now what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do to stay motivated after that? I like, I like doing things because I want to see if I can do them. I want to try to do them. I'm not doing things because this person said I couldn't do it. This person said I couldn't do it. Because if I do it because they said I can't do it, firstly, they control me then. Secondly, it's like, if I do accomplish it, now what? Like, they don't care about me. They've already, like, moved on. They're doing something else. So I did something for someone that's not even thinking about me, that doesn't even, like, really care about me. They just they just said it to hurt my feelings or whatever. And if I fail, now I'm fucking miserable. So I just like doing things because I want to do it. I want to see if I can do it. And that's the only reason. Because that's how 
I guess after you finish something, you can stay motivated. It's like, oh, I did that. Now let me go do something else. Instead of like, oh, wow, I did that. I showed them. And meanwhile, they haven't thought about you in like four years. Uh, anyway, so I just didn't like that. Um, the fuck was I talking about? I'm really trying to, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to remember what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, I was talking about like t- talking shit about like the 20 year olds. I just don't like doing that. So I, I'm not, I'm not saying a Koro at some point can't be something. I hope he can be something. I hope he becomes like a great three and D guy for this team. But I'm just looking at that draft and I'm like, damn, if they have drafted like Devin Vassell, maybe. Now you're looking at this core and you're like, oh shit. They're like one piece away. Instead of probably being like, you know, development and like two or like probably two more pieces away. Um, so I look at this core. I'm like, Evan Mobley's going to get better. Allen, I have no doubt he's going to keep getting better. Garland's going to keep getting better. And then you look at their assets like Sexton's an asset. Okoro's an asset. Laurie Markkinen probably is an asset. So you go out there and the way to build around this team is Mobley has to keep getting better as a three-point shooter. He's got to put on more weight. Allen has to keep getting a little bit better. Garland has to keep getting a little bit better. And you put another wing around them. You put like a real wing around them. Or I guess you could see if like what Laurie's made of. Like maybe I don't I don't see it. Like I think Laurie's been fine. But I think to take the next step, like Laurie has to be upgraded. Um it probably has to be like a regular like six seven six eight wing, and then you have to get a three a three and D uh, guard in there, like a bigger three and D guard in there because your backcourt Garland's still pretty small. You have to put a bigger guy next to him. So I think what they should do is get a three and D one three and D wing, and one one more uh, wing perimeter scorer. I think that's what they need to be like a legit contender. Right now they're a really fun team, and I think they could. Like, give a team a nice series. Like, they could give Miami a nice series. They could give... Probably not Milwaukee. Uh, probably not the Nets. But, uh, like, everyone else in the East, they could scare into a six, seven-game series. Maybe even win. The Bulls, they could give a nice series, too. The 76ers... I don't know about the 76ers. I feel like is just way too big for them. That's what I mean by, like... Mobley has to get a little bit stronger. He has to get. He has to fill his body out a little bit more. Um, so probably not the 76ers. The Hawks, yes, I think they could give them a series. Like every other team in the East, they could give a nice series too. Um, all right, the next team I want to talk about is the Charlotte Hornets. I want to talk about them because what what really happened with them is the emergence of Miles Bridges. That's something that I just. Hadn't, hadn't accounted for and if you look at their young players right now Miles is only 23 Lamelo's 20 and the other guys that I think could still be there when you know Bridges and especially Lamelo take off well I guess not Bridges I don't know how much better Bridges is gonna get I guess he could get a little bit better in terms of you know this is his first year being a not very high usage player but a higher usage player so he's not used to it yet. So maybe when he gets more used to it, he's shooting better. Um, Lamelo's the guy, though. It all depends on Lamelo. Lamelo right now is an all-star caliber player. I think he could be an all-NBA player yearly. He could be all-NBA second team, third team, first team. Like, like not, 11, not 11. I was gonna, That's a lot. Like seven, eight times in his career, he could be that guy. Like all-NBA. Uh, because he's, he can already get to the paint whenever he wants. 
You know, the biggest difference between him and like Alonzo, I've talked about this before, is the Mellow's handle is just so much better. He breaks he breaks his man down. He gets to the rim whenever he wants. That's why the Horn. What, let me just make sure I have this right. Yeah, the Hornets are like a top four offense because of that. Because he can get to the paint whenever he wants. He breaks the defense down constantly. Constantly. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about is their core. What I think should be their core. So their two guys are LaMelo and Bridges. That's done right there. After that, though, it gets interesting. Because Hayward's too old to be like a core guy. Because in two, three years, he's probably gone. Uh, not dead, just gone. From the team. Just making sure. Um, so he's he's probably gone from the team. Rozier's an interesting one because he's only 27. So two, three years, he's still gonna, only going to be 30. But how good is he going to be at 30 when he's a 6'1 guard? Uh, I guess he's not like an explosive guard. Like he's he's very skilled. Takes a lot of jumpers. He makes a lot of threes, mid-range jumpers. He doesn't get to the rim that much. So he he's an interesting piece. I just also I feel like you could probably improve from him because you would have to think about how how good of a defender can Lamelo really be, or do we have to put a guard defender next to him? So that's an interesting choice right there. I'm not sure about him either. After that though, like they don't. P.J. Washington is the other guy, and people keep trying to trade him, and I've been trying to trade him too because I'm like, because I think we too often we think about just this year and not long term. So you look at the Hornets and it's like, oh, they're 14 and 13, but they're really like 14 and 10 when LaMelo plays. And even then, like, Brazier was injured most of the season. So they're probably a better team than that. Um, they're probably better than 14 and 13. They're probably like a... 17 and 10 team right now if everyone was healthy um so you you look at that and you're like oh well how could they get better this season oh well they could trade pj washington and mason Plumlee and get like a legit center in there but i'm looking at and that they're probably right like for this season if you did that you could get a top four seed a top three seed in the east but i'm looking at it long term and i'm thinking Lamelo, you put bridges at the three because he can shoot it like he shot it well last year and the year before that. So I know he can shoot it. And then I would put PJ at my four. Because PJ can shoot it too, and he's a good defender himself. So it's like LaMelo, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, uh, PJ, 6'7". Bridges, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so I have a good core right there. And like uh, Bridges is a 20-point scorer. LaMelo is a 20-point scorer. PJ Washington can score the ball. Uh, and he's a good like pick-and-pop guy, pick-and-roll guy. Protects the rim. Nice. No, he doesn't protect the rim, but he's a good shot blocker, like weak side guy. He, you know, he can play some defense too. He can pass it a little bit. So I would keep him too. And then I'm like, then I just put a good rim running center next to them, and I would get another. It would it would really depend. A scoring. It would depend on Miles Bridges' development. Does he become even a better scorer? Because if he does. Then I only have to get a 3 and D wing in there, like a Mikel Bridges type. If he doesn't, now I have to look for like another perimeter scorer. So I'm looking at this team. For this year, they're just a fun team. I'm just watching them for fun. But if I'm building around them, like LaMelo and Bridges are my guys. PJ Washington would be my guy as well. And I'm trying to get off of Hayward right now and try and get like a first-round pick. And I might trade Hayward and Razier. Or I might... I want to trade both of them and just try getting one younger guy back to build around. 
Because I think this team has a lot of really nice potential. I think LaMelo is a star. He's going to be leading top five defenses. Not top five defense. What the fuck am I saying? Top five offenses for like 10 years straight. He's been that good. And I'm just that impressed by him. All right. The next team I want to talk about is the Memphis Grizzlies. So I've been excited about this team for a while. As soon as I saw that, okay, Ja, ja is that guy. Like, he's good. Like, so his rookie year, I was like, okay, Ja, Jaren, and that's my one-two punch right there. And let's see how they build from this. And they had some interesting pieces. At that time, I think they had, like, Jay Crowder and, like, some other players. So they, they turned those players into assets and whatever. And if you look at that team now, you, you have Ja, who's – I would – I never thought he was playing like an like I guess at some point he was playing like an MVP, but I wasn't like this, he's going to be playing like an MVP for the entire season. I think he was, I think right now if he were healthy, he would have made the All Star team pretty easily, and he would have been in contention for All NBA. So he's been really fucking good. Jaron Jackson was struggling a little bit, but he's coming alive as well. He's making his threes now. He's playing much better on defense, which you know when when he came, when he was a rookie, it was like oh he's going to be. A stretch big. He's going to be making 38, 40% of his threes on high volume. He's going to be protecting the rim. He's going to be that type of guy. He's the new modern day big. But it was like, okay. Then the next year, he became a very good scoring player. But it was his defense that was lacking. <clears throat> and then you started noticing other things as well. Where, okay, so his defense isn't as good as we thought. And he also fouls the fuck out of everyone. He fouls the fuck out of everyone. That's why he can't be playing that many minutes. Uh, per 36. Rookie year, 5.2 fouls per game. Next year, 5.1 fouls per game. Last year, uh, I don't think last year really counts. He only played 11 games. But it was 5.9 fouls a game. So he was scoring. He scores really. When he's on the floor, he's averaging per 36, 22 points per game. But he's uh, even this year, like he's. He's gotten a lot better at not fouling, only 4.5 a game. So he needs to keep getting better at that because he's a foul machine and the Grizzlies need him to be on the floor. And the other thing was he didn't rebound well. He still doesn't rebound well. That's something he has to improve on because how are we going to count on this guy to play center when he doesn't rebound the ball? Unless you put like a big forward next to him who's like a 8, 9, 10 rebound per game guy or like another forward that's an 8, 9, 10 rebound type of player. Um, so that, that, that was, those were a couple problems. He's gotten a lot better on, uh, defense this year. Um, he's making, he's finally coming along on offense as well. So you got Ja 24 and seven type of player, 20, he's probably going to be like a 25 and eight or 25 and seven type player for probably like the next 10, 12 years. That's just what he's going to be. His handle is disgusting. That's how he's able to get the rim, able to get to the rim so often. He's finishes well with both hands. I finishes explosively at the rim. Like, oh, you think he's about to go up for, like, a strong layup? No, he's dunking it. So I'm a huge fan of Job. Um, I think he's going to He's a star. He's going to be a superstar. I, I truly believe he will be a tr- superstar. Like, a superstar. Capital S superstar. Uh, I think he's going to be averaging 25 points, 8 assists uh, for, like, the next 10, 12 years. Um, you know, all NBA yearly all-star yearly in the MVP conversation every now and then. Uh, so I, I'm a believer in Ja. Jaron was the guy that I... I was I was a huge fan of Jaron as a rookie, and then I've been lower on him, and rightfully so, I think, because 
his defense regressed. So I, I don't want I don't want to go over it again. I just I get my reasons before. So, but I think he can be that second guy, and you have that one-two punch. And now you add in Desmond Bain, who's okay. So let, let me just look at their ages first. Let me just let me just uh, do all that first. Ja twenty-two, Jaron twenty-two. I think I think he's twenty-three now, though. Let me just make sure. No, no, he just turned twenty-two. That's incredible. That's incredible. He just turned twenty-two. Uh, is Ja older than him? What the fuck? Is Ja older than Jaron? Yeah, Ja is older than Jaron. That's funny. So Jaron was like extremely young when he came into the league. Um, a year before like regular college uh, uh, players. Uh, so Ja and Jaron twenty-two. You had Desmond Bain in there, who's twenty-three. He he just got he just got a lot better too. You have a knockdown shooter who keeps getting better. He's a solid defender. He can do stuff off the dribble now. You have another perimeter scorer who can make like you leave him open and that's just a bucket. Um so you have another perimeter scorer, good defender. And then the other guy that I think you're probably gonna have Dylan Brooks for like another four or five years. Maybe even longer than that. So your 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 I think your core is Ja. Jaron, Bain, Brooks, and a wild card being Brandon Clark. Because ideally what you would want is Jaron at the five and because he can spread the floor then. And then we put Ja. We have our another perimeter scorer who's pretty big in um, Desmond Bain. Then we have Dylan Brooks who's our 3 and D guy. And then Brandon Clark is our multi-positional defender, great dunker. My only problem with that would be he can't really shoot like that, but I think he's really good. So that would be my ideal. That's that would be my ideal closing lineup if I'm done going forward. I think if they can get someone, if Brandon Clark can just improve as a shooter, now you're talking about something because I think uh, Jaw's going to continue to get smarter. I don't know how much better he can get because like. Is he going to become a 40% three-point shooter? I don't know. Maybe he does. Is he going to become a 45% mid-range shooter? I don't know. I'm not doubting it. I think he could do that. 40% from three is a little bit of a stretch. I think if he get just stays at like 35%, that's great. If he can get better at, on the mid-range jumpers, because I think he's shooting like 38 39% this year. If he can get that up, which is not horrible. I think the average league average is like 41%. But if he can get to like 45% from mid-range, and, you know, 35% from three, just stay at those. He's going to be tremendous. And Jaron has to get better as a defender, even better. Because I think he's been good this year. He has to get even better. Uh, he has to work on the rebounding and fouling. And Desmond Bain, if he can improve just a little bit more, if he can, instead of being like a 15-point scorer, if he can be a 18, 19, 20-point scorer, now you got a real contender. Dylan Brooks is, is just what he is. I think he needs to calm down a little bit. Because, like, I've heard some people talking about Dylan Brooks and that. I love players like Dylan Brooks. You know, those guys that are overconfident. You know, I love those type of players. And I, I love overconfident players, too. But I like the really good overconfident players. I don't like the good role players that thinks they're Kobe. Because you're not Kobe. Like, it just looks disgusting when you try to be like Kobe. When it, Like, some, some nights he can be like Kobe. Like in that Utah series, he, he had he had some moments where he was like Kobe. But you're not Kobe. That's why you're shooting like 40% from the field for your career. So if he could just calm down a little bit and be like that elite 3 and D wing that he can be. Because he's a great defender. Like a legitimately great defender. All defense caliber defender. And he can make open threes. If he can just be that catch and go 
that's great. He's he's perfect for that. Uh, I, I I think they're missing one more player though, because I'm trying to make it Brandon Clark, but I'm not sure if it is Brandon Clark. Maybe it can be Zaire Williams. You know, they drafted him. Maybe he can grow into his body. He he's a you know pretty big kid. I think he's like six nine, six ten. So and he can make some threes. Well, not really, because he didn't shoot it that well in college, and he's not shooting that well right now. Their hope is he can shoot threes because his form looks good. So maybe if if they can get him. Interestingly enough, like, when you think about it, they had that guy in Jay Crowder already. So they're looking for, like, a Jay Crowder type, like that 3-4. Um, that's what they're looking for. And if they can get that and, like, those other things happen where Jaw gets a little bit better, Jaren gets a little bit better, Desmond gets a little bit better, you know, Brooks calms down a little bit, and they can just get that one more guy of Dylan, not Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark can be that guy. Now you're talking about a team that could consistently win 50 games a year. Like you just pencil them in. Memphis Grizzlies, 50 wins. Just pencil it in. Because you because they're so young and they're so talented already. And they have a great coach. Um, this year, they're 14 and 11 or 14 and 12 now. I think this year, they should hope to be making the playoffs just outright. A top six seed. And if I'm a team and I have to go up against John Moran in the first round, knowing he's going to be playing 44, 45 minutes or whatever... Constant attacking the rim, constantly attacking the rim. I'm not saying I'm like worried about the Grizzlies this year, but I would be like, shit, this kid's gonna be attacking the rim every fucking time. We have to deal with this shit. And Dylan Brooks, he's gonna be beating up your wing players. Um, Jaron Jackson's gonna be spreading out your bigs. Pause. Um, we have to make sure we keep a shooter on Desmond Bain. Brandon Clark's gonna be trying dunking on everything. Steven Adams is gonna be setting just hellacious greens on our guards so that's the shit we have to deal with um so they're they're gonna be a problem not 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 a problem but they're going to be just like a thorn i guess in someone's side in the playoffs uh but they have a really bright future i think they can really be a contender um so i think those are the three teams because i want to talk i want to talk about the timberwolves because i've talked about the timberwolves quite a few times now i think they have they have the chance to be something as well. Um, I don't know about a contender though, because I'm so I'm so low on Cat. I just think his aggression is very concerning. So I don't want to talk about them as much. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is I guess I could talk about the Houston Rockets. They had the seven game win streak. Um, they're playing. They're, Jalen Green got injured sadly, uh, but that did lead them to be playing. They're better players because Aaron Gordon just Eric Gordon's just better. Uh, Kevin Porter looks much better now; like he looks decent. Uh, I think they won again tonight uh, against the Nets. No KD, but James Harden had one of the strangest turnovers I've ever seen. He had eight turnovers tonight, but like the one in uh, in the fourth quarter where he's doing like the walk the baby, you know, like the rolling inbound, and he just. Someone, I think it was Garrison Matthews who just stole the ball from him. Um, who just who just picked the who just picked up the ball. Like James Harden looks so disinterested this season, and I'm not really understanding why. My guess, the way, the what I'm thinking is, I think he's gonna leave the Nets because he didn't sign his extension, and I think if Kyrie doesn't back, if Kyrie doesn't back, if Kyrie doesn't come back, I think he's gonna leave. Because I don't think this is what he signed up for, playing 40 minutes a night, you know, trying to carry this team. 
I just don't think that's what he signed up for. Uh, but the Rockets, you know, Eric Gordon's playing all these minutes now. Uh, Garrison Matthews, I got laughed at. I legitimately got laughed at when the Celtics released him. And I was like, why did they do that? This, I was shocked that he couldn't get a real contract because this is a guy that can shoot the ball and he draws fouls. And he like he's not a good defender, but he tries on defense and he's kind of athletic. So when the Celtics let him go, I was like, yo, he could be like a nice eighth man for a team. Like a legitimately nice eighth man for a team. And he's been a starter for them playing like 30 plus minutes nightly, knocking down threes, getting to the line. He's doing all the things that I said he was good at. But people laughed at me when I said he could be a contributing player. They're like, no, he sucks, he sucks. The Celtics released him. Yeah, I'm sure the Celtics could fucking use him right now. Um, Christian Wood's playing a lot better. He's setting a lot more screens. Um, he's playing the center, which is good, which is, like, the position he should be playing anyways. Um, you know, Jay Sean Tate, he's playing really well. Um, what else? I can't talk about them as, like, future contenders and what they need and, like, what they're core is because I just don't know what the core is right now I don't know what what these players entirely are right now I don't know if Kevin Porter is good I don't know if Jalen Green is good I don't know you know Christian Wood is good uh I don't know what if Shangun is gonna be good I don't know if uh you know Martin Jr. is gonna be good Christopher is gonna be good uh I just don't know so I have I still have to see more of these players to see what they can be before I just start talking about them as contender like right now we have to just focus on them developing uh, but, you know, seven. I think it's a seven-game win streak now. Like, pretty impressive because they've been the Bulls when I think everyone was playing. Uh, they beat the Nets tonight. No KD, but James Harden played. They beat the Hornets. That's a good win. And just them beating other teams. Like, them beating anyone is impressive. So, just from that team, I feel like, you know, it becomes an interesting question on someone like Christian Wood because he's good. And he's still pretty young. He's only 26, 20, 25, 26, something like that. So it's like, well, we are a rebuilding team. We have this guy on a great contract, like a ridiculously good contract. Should we keep him? Because in two, three years, he's still only going to be 28, 29, 30. Uh, and those guys that we have, they can become something. Also, he's just a good player. So maybe we should just keep him. Or should we trade him? And get like two first rounders and a player for him to a contender and get something from them. Because he's on a great contract, he's a good player, someone wants him. And on top of that, if we pay him in a year or two and he's now getting paid 25, 30 mil, he's not as desirable. You know, that's 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 the problem with a lot of these players where once they get that contract, now it's like does do, do, some teams just don't want them anymore. Like CJ McCollum, I don't know if I want him for like 35 mil. I don't know if I do. As soon as they sign those contracts, they're harder to trade even though they can be traded. Like it's not it's not about to get harder. It's the teams that you can trade them to get more limited and the resources that you can get from those teams get more limited. It's the same question in I guess um Detroit as well. It's like Jeremy Grant. Do as as Detroit. As some as a place that doesn't get free agents. This guy wants to be here. He's a good player. He's still pretty young. He fits in well with our core, even though he's older than them by like five, six years, five, maybe even seven years, I don't remember. 
we could trade him and get a first rounder to help with our rebuild, get two first rounders to help with our rebuild. Or we can just keep him because he's a good player and he wants to be here. So it's an interesting dynamic. I think if I'm Detroit, I'm keeping Jeremy Grant. But if I'm Houston, I would probably trade Christian Wood. And I would also trade Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's having a really good season. He can guard one through three. Not like the really good three. Obviously, he can't guard KD, Kawhi, LeBron. Uh, who else? Like, Giannis isn't really a three anymore. But he can't, really, he can't guard those three guys. But, like, I, can, I don't mind putting him on a Jason Tatum, a Paul George. I don't really mind that at all. Uh, so he can guard those type of guys. Um, so, you know, he, a team can really use him. I'm going to try thinking of some trades for the next podcast. Um, but, yeah, I, if I'm Detroit, I'm not trading Jeremy Grant. But if I'm the Rockets, I might be looking to trade Christian Wood. Because once I give him that next contract, I don't think teams are really going to want him. And he's going to be too old to fit in our with, with our core. Um, so, yeah, uh, moving on. The next thing I just wanted to talk about was One Piece. So I started One Piece probably like a month or two ago. I can't even fully remember right now. And the thing I really wanted to talk about was how wild it is that you can be 600 episodes in. And it's like, oh, okay, I still have another 500 more episodes to go. And for the series to finish, I imagine it's probably going to be like another two more. It's probably going to be two more arcs, I think. Maybe even three more, like, big arcs. Maybe even four more. <laughs> so I, I think there's probably, like, another six, seven hundred more episodes to go. That's fucking insane, but I love the show so much. I love all the characters and just comparing it to, like, Naruto. Um, I love Naruto, too. I, lo- I really like Naruto. I had a lot of fun watching Naruto. And some of the characters, I love Obito. I talked about Obito for a little bit. I love Kakashi. I love Itachi. Um, But I think the characters on One Piece I like a lot more. I like Luffy a lot more. If you think about it, like, if you just think about a uh, character to character, so it's Luffy and Zoro, those are the one, two. You compare them to Naruto and Sasuke. Sasuke never made me laugh once. Zoro, Sanji, those two are the, I guess, the number twos. They make me laugh all the fucking time. All the time. Uh, you know, sometimes when they're in, like, a huge fight against a fucking monster of a uh, villain, they'll just start fighting randomly in the middle of the fight, like, Moss Head. Shit like that. It's so fucking funny. And even like the even like Nico I love. I love um Nami. I love Chopper. I love when Chopper does the uh someone gives him a comedy that like, oh you stupid human. You can't you can't, you know, get to me. I'll never I'll never trust you. I love it when he does that and the whole time he's just blushing. I love Brooke. Brooke is hilarious. You know, him just casually asking for, you know, women's panties. Love it. Him singing, like, he, yo, he can sing his fucking ass off. The first time he did the yo-ho-ho-ho shit, I was like, damn, this is fucking amazing. This is, like, Celine Dion or something. You know what's interesting? I don't know if I've actually heard that much of Celine Dion. I don't know if she can really sing. I actually, I actually have no idea if she can really sing. I haven't heard much of Celine Dion. Is this, is this Whitney Houston? Um, and who else? Uh, I'm definitely, Usopp, I like Usopp a lot. Um... I'm missing someone. Luffy, Usopp, Zoro, Sanji, Brooke, Frankie. I'm missing Frankie. I like Frankie a lot too. Uh, I'm not. I'm only 600 episodes in, so Jimbe is on it, but he's not really with them. I imagine he's just gonna show up randomly when they need help, uh, and then he's gonna officially join. Um, what else? What I wanted to really talk about was just how they use kids to get you emotionally attached to it. So I'm at the part 
where Punk Hazard, where they're rescuing the kids. This is spoilers, I guess. So if you don't want to listen, don't listen. Uh, they're rescuing the kids, and they really get you attached because when you see kids, you get way more attached than you see like adults. So there's just like an emotional connection you have to kids. And even if you look at the main character storylines, they're all because of what they were as kids. You know, Luffy, it was him as a kid, you know, get saved by Shanks. Uh, Zoro, it's, you know, the girl, um, you know, he has the fight with the girl, but like she dies. You know, they were connecting, you know, he wanted to be better than her or whatever. Uh, Nami, it was the same thing, you know, um, Arlong takes over, you know, her mother, fake mother, uh, gets taken or whatever. Uh, the Sanji one was really fucked me up. That one really fucked me up. Where it was, fuck, I'm just thinking about it where, you know, he gets deserted. The chef saves him. You know, the chef gives him, like, this tiny bag of food. And he keeps the whole bag to himself, waiting for a ship. No ship comes. He goes to him. He's like, oh, you know, you got this big-ass bag. You know, why aren't you sharing this food with me? And then the bag has no food at all. So it turns out the chef actually, like, not the chef, the... The pirate actually gave him all his food. That shit broke my fucking heart. Um, Frankie, Frankie's was really good too. I think they gave Frankie a really good one. Brooke had a really good storyline. Uh, so a Chopper had like a Chopper and Sanji probably broke me the most. Um, so yeah, they have they they did it by kids mostly, and I think that was genius. But it's also so over. It's so op, like because you know as soon as you start bringing kids in, everyone's gonna be attached. It's just such a genius technique but it's so simple too um what else did i want to talk about dexter I, I i was watching dexter new blood and i'm enjoying it and i was enjoying it so much that it just got me thinking about oh shit it's been like seven eight years since i last watched like the old dexter so i restarted that and i just forgot how corny and emo dexter is like he's very funny and the show is very fucking good but at one point he was giving everyone donuts and he's like and they finish the donuts and he looks at the donut box and he's like, empty. Just like me on the inside. I'm like, calm down. Calm down, Dexter. You're not, you know, Sylvia Plath or whatever. Like, calm down a little bit. Um, but I'm enjoying that as well. And I think Dexter is an interesting show in, in the time length because I watch, I watch a lot of shows that are like 45, 50 minutes long as well. Like, I don't watch Grey's Anatomy as much anymore. Like, I stopped watching the new Grey's Anatomy. Um... But like Curb and like some other shows that are like 45, 50 minutes long. I skip a lot. But when I'm skipping with Dexter and I skip a lot, it's still like, oh shit, there's still like 35 minutes left. For some reason, it just feels a lot longer. Um, But yeah, that's just what I've been up to. And once again, thank you for listening, everyone. morning heartache you old gloomy sight good morning heartache thought we said goodbye last night I turned and tossed until it seemed you were gone now here you are with the dawn wish I'd forget you but you're here to stay It seems I met you when my love went away Now every day I start by saying to you 
Good morning, heartache. What's new? Stop haunting me now. Can't shake you no how. Just leave me alone. I've got those Monday blues straight through Sunday blues. Good morning, heartache. Here we go again. Good morning, heartache. You're the one who knew me when. Might as well get used to you hanging around. Good morning, heartache. Sit down. Good morning, heartache.